What's going on, everybody? It's Mercedes Terrell from Bellator MMA. Hey, this is Billy Howard L from the Perfect Circle. Hey, I'm Adam Carolla. Hey, this is Max from the Arcells. Hi, this is Tina Stoll. I'm a driver in the NHRA. Hey, this is Dallas Smith. Hi, I'm uh, Commander Chris Hadfield. I'm Danny Danko. I'm the Senior Cultivation Editor for High Times Magazine. Hey, guys, guess what? I'm Jake the Snake Roberts, and you're not. Yeah, bad break for you. You're listening to the Toddcast podcast like you didn't know. And with COVID-19 affecting life as we know it, we took advantage of the pandemic's mandated quarantine time. And we did a ton of interviews over the last four months. They've all been posted online, the full-length interviews, but that's it. None of the guests in the last four months have been featured on our weekly full-length podcast. And that changes starting this week. Some fantastic interviews, great conversations, including Doug McLean, the former head coach of the Florida Panthers and the Columbus Blue Jackets, former Sportsnet personality as well. You'll hear 10 minutes of that interview about midpoint of this week's podcast. And Triple X film star Sarah Vandella is a guest this week too. She and I follow each other on social media and she's cool. I'll let you know about this week's musical guest in just a second. Coming up in about 15 minutes in Listen to This, CJ Ramon, you're going to love the story that he shares about playing his first show with the Ramones. That's powered by Tedco RV Supplies in Langley. RV Repair Service, ICBC accredited. Find them online through TedcoRVSuppliesInc.com. First, our first guest of three, this week's musical guest, anti-flag singer Justin Sane. Brought to you by the Railway Stage and Beer Cafe, 579 Dunsmere, downtown Vancouver. Hopefully they will be opening up soon and we can get our live podcast shows up and running again. You'll know Anti-Flag by their politically charged lyrics and activism. They focused on human rights. They're known for their advocacy of Greenpeace, Amnesty International. Uh, recently, they've shown support for the global Occupy Together movement. They're from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. They formed in 1988. There was a quick hiatus about a year later. And then in the early 90s, you started seeing them releasing albums. They're known for putting their own festival together as well, Anti-Fest. They've toured with all the punk bands worth touring and mentioning. This was a good talk. This was supposed to be for their show back in Vancouver, April 1st, I think it was. Uh, maybe uh, first week of April. They're going to play the Wise Hall, and that would have been insane. No pun intended. You can hear the full talk right now at our iTunes podcast page, Spotify, SoundCloud as well. Search it out through Toddcast Podcast. In the meantime, here's 10 minutes with anti-flag singer Justin Sane. The Toddcast Podcast. How old were you when you you know picked up a guitar and, and, and grabbed some buddies and, and started to actually you know bang out some tunes? Yeah, well, the sister I keep referring to is my sister Lucy, and um, she kind of was responsible for me playing guitar. Um, and uh, originally, she helped me buy a drum set from uh, a local band called Car Sickness. They were like a local punk band. Um, so I started as a drummer, and then she bought me a guitar when I was about 15, an electric guitar, and I just kind of went, went from there with guitar. Um, and about the same time I saw the movie Another State of Mind, which, um, if you've never seen it, it's a, it's a sh like an hour long documentary about, um, 
you know, some a group of LA punk bands um, that drive across North America. Uh, it was Social Distortion and Youth Brigade. They're both bands from LA, mm-hmm. and they bought a school bus and they they all pile in the school bus and they awesome. put together like a, a DIY punk rock tour in 1982. Wow! Um, and that I, I'd never heard music like Social Distortion before. And it, it was their, their mommy's little monster era. And um, the guitar playing of Mike Ness just really captured my imagination. I was like, wow, I, I want to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, Mike Ness was like my earliest influence pretty much on on guitar as far as like wanting to learn a style, you know, the style that kind of, that I probably play most today. Yeah, yeah. I and then that, that movie is really amazing. I mean, they... They go through all of Canada. They um, they go to D.C. They stay at the Discord House with Minor Threat. Um, it's it's an amazing like time capsule of what was happening in early punk. It's a really interesting movie. And then <clears throat> our drummer Pat Dedek, he is my best friend, and we we both saw that movie together, and we were like. Let's do that. You know, like we're going to buy a school bus. <laughs> we're we're going to do that. So, yeah. um, and and so it was kind of all kicked off from from about that time. Yeah, and especially like 1982, nobody was doing that shit. No, literally. I mean, they made it up. I mean, they were such pioneers of like touring punk bands. Like they kind of had to just piece it all together as they went and you know, trying to get a phone number from somebody who knows somebody in the next town. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's how a lot of bands toured in, in the old days. When we started touring in the mid, early to mid nineties, we would do the same thing. I mean, you'd, you'd be out in the van and play, you know, a punk house somewhere and, and didn't really even have another show booked, you know, for like the next week. And, you just talk to people there and they'd be like, Oh, we know these people in this next city. Here's their number, you know, ask for scuds, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you'd call and, you know, he's like, yo, it's scuds there. And he's like, yeah, it's scuds. And you're like, Oh, I got your number from Billy in Milwaukee. He said to call you, you know, we're coming through town and could you organize a show? And, you know, somebody would set up a show in their basement for you. And, and and that's how a lot of a lot of bands did it in the early days. Now, of course, there's the internet, and yeah, it's just totally a lot easier. Yeah. And I I I don't wish that back. I don't wish that back <laughs> for anybody. I mean, there's a lot of there was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of debacles, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was part of the fun too. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, new Anti Flag 2020 Vision. Uh, it's been up for about a month now. Um, you guys are past the three decade mark, which is insane uh no pun intended does it <laughs> does it get easier to write and record anti-flag records over the years yeah I, I would say it does i mean for a lot of reasons i mean for one reason we're just better at our instruments we're better at right. writing songs. songwriters um, mm-hmm. yeah it seems like i take a drink a lot of your um yeah i mean you you know, when you do something for a long time, hopefully you get better at it. So <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> um, right, right. So, I mean, what may have taken me, you know, five hours to record a guitar track on a record back in the old days, 
I might be able to do it now in 20 minutes, right. you know, so it, and, and it sounds better than it would have back then. Right. So that's just the result of practice and getting better. And um, so just from a technical side, it's a lot easier to record a record because we're just better players. And then there, there's also, you know, the technology has changed so much. I mean, you, you can make a mistake now and right. it's not a big deal. I mean, back in the old days, if you're, you're recording the tape and you had to play it perfect, there's there no... You know, sometimes like you would literally, literally have to play the song all the way through from beginning to start or beginning to end, right? And not make a mistake. And now you and can just be like, you know what? We'll we'll punch that in now. Don't worry about that. We'll right. Just do it again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Justin, when I when I mentioned on on social media that you were coming on to be a guest, of course, lots of anti flag uh, fan questions, and I want to make sure I get through those. Uh, cool. Yeah. Mike is wondering when you find time. What are you currently binge watching? <laughs> well, I, you know, because the new Star Wars movie came out, yeah, uh, the Rise of Skywalker. I kind of went back and I've been doing a lot of Star Wars, um, and I actually watched uh, the Rise of Skywalker again last night. Um, I've been <laughs> on tour in Europe for a month, so and, and I just got home. Uh, just I've been home about twenty four hours now, so right. I'm just kind of winding down and and watching whatever I want to and, you know, hanging out with the dog and being lazy. So, um, and I'll get back to real life tomorrow, but I'm taking a day off. So, but yeah, so right now I'm kind of like in a total Star Wars mode, which is, which is pretty dope. Mm -hmm. Which is the best Star Wars movie? You know, I think it's the first movie of this current trilogy, Mm. which is, what is it? The last Jedi? Mm, so it's the, the first mo- the first yeah. movie with Ray. Yeah, I think it's I think it's my, to me that's the best out of mm. all the Star Wars movies. I think that one because you know Han Solo comes back, Princess Leia comes back, the Millennium Falcon, Chewie. I mean, and and the new characters are just so strong. Um, you know, so for all of those reasons, I think uh, with Finn and Poe and Ray, BB-8, it's like. They just they brought in all these really great new characters, and they brought back these really strong, amazing characters. And at the very end, the cliffhanger she finds Luke Skywalker. Right, it's like holy shit! I mean, <laughs> it, it really it has it all. That surprised me, man. I honestly thought you were going to go, you know, New Hope, uh, maybe Empire. I don't know. That's a surprising you know, I answer. Really, I mean, I. I really enjoy the old ones. I think they're a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, I don't, um, and I'm not like somebody who holds Star Wars to a high standard. I mean, <laughs> I think Star Wars movies were meant to be fun. They totally. weren't meant to be, you know, critical, critically acclaimed masterpieces of, of uh, so, drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> Have you checked out the, the Mandalorian? Have you watched that on, uh, on Disney, Disney Plus yet? Because, dude, no, that's, you know what? I have that's good. I haven't got around to it, but I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Trevor writes, um, your band is well known for the political activism. What do you make of today's U.S. politics? This feels like a loaded question. Well, I mean, I think it's important to talk about just in that we're not living in normal times. I mean, we right now have a president that has normalized racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, um, bigotry in general. Mm -hmm. Um, So, 
you know, I think it's it's important that that we acknowledge that so that we can push back against it. And and you know, I think it's important for us to state publicly where we stand right now, and to know that um, you know it, it's not a time where I where people can sit on the sidelines. I I, I just think that you know I don't want to in ten years somebody to ask me how the fuck did you let that happen, mm-hmm. and for me just to say yeah I didn't raise my voice I didn't I didn't uh, try to push back against that. Um, but, you know, I think the antidote to it in a lot of ways, because our politics is so divisive right now, and it's so ugly, uh, you know, just in the fact that we literally have a president who encourages his followers to commit violence against other citizens of our country right. um, and people who are different than them. Um, and, and for that reason, I think the antidote to that is kindness. You know, I think in 2020, it's punk as fuck to be kind. Um, because the status quo is to, to be a, a racist, bigoted xenophobe. Mm. And, uh, you know, making that extra effort, you know, just to be good to the people around you. And, you know, so I've, I'm honestly like, I've been making a conscious effort when I'm in public, like to be more thoughtful of people, to be more mindful of people. Um, and, and of course in my personal life too. Yeah. Well said, you know, uh, as the innocent bystander up in Canada, you know, watching it, yeah. it feels like, uh, Bernie Sanders could take it. Yeah. I mean, um, I always believe that Bernie had a really, really strong chance because of the ground game that he put in place in 2016 and then he just never stopped running. Musical guests of the Toddcast podcast are powered by the Railway Stage and Beer Cafe. Check them out at 579 Dunsmere, downtown Vancouver. Again. 
pieces all fit We don't need to try so hard Try so hard I got a lump in my throat And I got a fire in my heart So many miles I've walked Find my
Listen to this on the Toddcast Podcast. You'll know Christopher Joseph Ward as C.J. Ramone, bassist, backing, and sometimes lead vocalist of the Ramones from 1989 through 1996. He is one of the four surviving members of the band, along with Marky, Richie, and Elvis. He replaced Dee Dee, although Dee Dee continued to write with the band. Present day, CJ continues to tour, make new music, and kick ass, take names, and he's a genuinely good guy as well. When he called up, we talked about Ken Burns documentaries, the animated Spider-Man series from the 70s. He shared a story about a head-on collision he had while riding a motorbike. He talked about legalized marijuana, superpowers came up, aliens and UFOs, how Johnny Cash influenced him as a kid. We got into the Beatles and Sabbath making albums. And CJ talked about what still stands out from playing his first show with the Ramones back in 1989. Listen to this. Of course it was hugely overwhelming, but um, when we came off stage, Johnny... um, Johnny yelled at me pretty good for about 10 minutes for making a lot of mistakes and whatnot. So <laughs> <laughs> that was about is, uh, the most memorable part of it. But yeah. it was, you know, he was trying to get me to be, um, he was trying to get me, you know, to be, uh, to play at a level as I most played at. So sure. Yeah. I just kind of took it on the chin and, and, uh, and uh, enjoy, I really did enjoy the show though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Western England, 19, 19, uh, September 30th, 1989, my first show. Listen to this on the Toddcast podcast is brought to you by Tedco RV Supplies in Langley, an ICBC-approved repair shop. Find them online at tedcorvsuppliesinc.com.
What do you think of that? How did that treat you? The band is called Hunting Giants, and a new band for the podcast, anyway, a Vancouver band, and I'm digging their sound. That one is called In the Water, and bet your ass when things go back to normal, we'll get those boys playing a podcast show for sure. Looking forward to seeing what they're all about live, because... That's what makes the band, right? I played you Small Town Artillery, and their song was The Birds Up North Are Braver. And here's another Vancouver band who have done a pretty decent job of keeping shows rolling during the coronavirus pandemic, playing literally in people's backyards and such, and social distancing, drinks, tunes, and great idea. Okay, Todd's Trolls is coming up in just a bit. You know, the stupid, the mean, the hurtful, but really it's the funny things that people say to what you post and what you see online. Lana Del Rey has a new record out. Yes, chirp, chirp. Steve-O's new movie, Guest House, and Tennis's U.S. Open bask in that beautiful spotlight. As always, powered by the garage, games, and geekery in Maple Ridge. It's your place to play. Warhammer, D&D, Slay Trolls, and lots more. Find them online at garagegames.ca. First, let's do this. The second of three Toddcast guests this week is our sporting guest, former Columbus Blue Jackets GM and coach Doug McLean. Doug started coaching at the University of New Brunswick in the 80s. Then he was the assistant head coach for the St. Louis Blues and Washington Capitals. His first pro head coaching position was back in 1990, behind the bench for the Capitals' AHL affiliate, the Baltimore Skipjacks. Great name. Hey, everybody's got to pay their dues. As you know, he would eventually go on to be the coach for the Panthers, the head coach, perhaps a role he's most known for, actually, leading them to the Eastern Conference Championships in 1996. They would, of course, get swept by the Avalanche in the finals, but still. After the Panthers, Doug was hired as the Blue Jackets general manager in 1998. They didn't make the playoffs in his six years with the club. Ouch, what happened there? You've seen and heard Doug on sports radio, specifically out east in Toronto, uh, the fan, why did I say it like Toronto, in Toronto, uh, the fan 590. In 2009, he was on Hockey Central Radio and he was on Sportsnet as well. Did a great job there. I mean, I could go on and on about his accolades, but ultimately you'll hear about all of it in the interview. The full conversation is definitely worth hearing. Search that out through Toddcast Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, the Dean Blundell Podcast Network through deanblundell.com. Till you hear that, here's 10 minutes with, among other things, former Columbus Blue Jackets GM and coach, Doug McLean. The Toddcast Podcast. What was the toughest thing about transitioning from coaching to being a sportscaster? <laughs> oh, that was, uh, it wasn't much of a transition because all it was was I got more sleep at night and I, uh, <laughs> I was in a basket case most of the time and I... I didn't wake up every morning wondering how much my owner hated me or how much the fans hated me or <laughs> what mm. bad news I had to give people. So, you know, I'll tell you what, it was, uh, you know, when you're an expansion general manager in the NHL, I mean, being a general manager on a good team is one thing, being a, a general manager on an average team, but when you're a general manager of an expansion team, and it was a tough expansion time because you know four teams come in over a two or three year period and it was you know it wasn't typical of the vegas or seattle one so it was a grind let me tell you and it i did it i was in columbus for nine years and it 
you know, obviously I was there before we started to play, but I think six or seven seasons of playing and, uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't easy, I'll tell you that. But you know what? It, it was it was an experience that you'll never forget. You know, I started a franchise from scratch. I, when I moved to Columbus, it was just a gravel pit where the arena was going to go, and we built the arena, and we we staffed up over two hundred people, and we uh, you know we started a franchise. It was a pretty unique experience. So it's something I'll never forget, and it was something I'll always relish. You know. Obviously, that's something you'll never get the ch- I mean, not never get the chance yeah. to do again. But it's certainly something that's yeah. very unique for for your world, for sure. I think the one thing that's frustrating to me as a as a guy that was 22 years in the NHL, I I got to be a head coach of a NHL expansion team, and I got to be general manager of a of a you know an expansion team, and it sort of pisses me off. I never got to be a coach or general manager of an established team mm. i see some of these guys like mark crawford go through four teams or five teams and all of them are good teams i'm thinking like seriously <laughs> couldn't i have had a chance of just one good team once to see what would happen all right instead and, of uh, two expansion teams <laughs> and and they say that that winning the stanley cup is the hardest trophy to win do you agree with that well it was uh, the, the year Crow won it, uh, Crawford won it. He beat an ex- third-year expansion team. I mean, yeah, it was it was a grind. I mean, uh, to go through. I mean, we went through the seven weeks to the. We got to the Stanley Cup Finals, and it was a grueling, grueling uh, seven or eight-week experience. But one of the the best experiences you ever through with your life. So winning the Stanley Cup is is unbelievably challenging. When you look at the teams Colorado had to beat to get to the finals and right. the teams we had to beat to get to the finals, it was just unbelievable. And the, the toll it took on the players and the toll it took on the coaches, it was it was just an amazing experience, but it, it really is grueling for everybody, but fun. The best fun you'll ever have in your life. <laughs> yeah, I love watching it. You famously orchestrated the trade with Chris Draper from the Jets to the Red Wings for future considerations, which turned out to be a buck. Which of your trades are you most proud of, whether it was lopsided or you just couldn't believe that it happened? Well, that was a, a funny one because, you know, I, I, I was a assistant GM in Detroit and GM in Adirondack at the time, and mm-hmm. Jimmy Clark, Jimmy Clark, who was our maritime scout, part-time maritime scout, called me, and Jim is now he's director of amateur or director of pro scouting in Ottawa. But he phoned me, said, "Doug, you got we got to consider this Chris Draper kid. He's playing in Moncton. He's floundering. He's in his third year pro, and it looks like Winnipeg don't like him. And you know, uh, he's a guy that has a chance to be a really good American League player. He's 22 or 23 at the time, and you know, so." I phoned Mike Smith, and, and Mike Smith said, hey, uh, Doug, I really like this kid, um, but my coach doesn't like him. And uh, I, I'll do the kid a favor and trade him to you guys for future consideration. So <laughs> then the league stepped in in the fall and said, well, you need future consideration. So we made it, we made it a buck. So it was a, it was a great <laughs> one. But, but what happened, uh, we go to training camp, and Chris, Chris uh, goes through training camp, has a good camp. Mm-hmm. And we send him to Adirondack, and he and he said to he said to me he said you know to me and Brian Murray he said look I'm going to go back to Toronto and contemplate whether I'm going to quit hockey, I'm going to go back to Toronto and I and so he did and I, I phoned Newell Brown who was with you guys in Vancouver now and he was our coach in Adirondack he said Newell 
this this guy, uh, you got to give him a call in Toronto and talk him into going to Adirondack because he's a really he could be a real important guy. Newell phoned him, talked him into going, and then uh, in January, Scotty Bowman and I go to Hamilton to watch Adirondack play with Newell coaching and. Drapes scores a hat trick. Uh, Timmy Taylor had an unbelievable game. We had also signed him that summer from Vancouver's farm team. And 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 Chris gets called up that night and played 1,150-some games in the NHL and right. won four Stanley Cups. I mean, it was just a great story. Chris deserves a credit. Newell does. Jimmy Clark does. Like, a lot of guys deserve a, a lot of credit on that. And, and Drapes had a great career, so it was kind of fun. Uh, yeah. All right, let's get outside of hockey and, of course, what, what you're known for. Uh, I just want to rip through a few questions here and, and get to know you a little bit more. What's the yeah. music like in the McLean house as a kid growing up? Like, what, what are the bands that your parents are playing? Oh, my God. Yeah, my dad owned a bar and, uh, and a nightclub, and uh, it was a big part of our life, so... I mean, you, you wouldn't know these names, but Hal Lone Pine played at my father's bar. Uh, Alexander Ragtime Reed played at my father's bar. Adam Tamoon. They were all sort of folky rock type of guys out in country. Mm-hmm. So there was some really, uh, and, and a really interesting thing, though, my, my dad's bar was in Summerside, and Ann Murray was a phys ed teacher in Summerside, and one of her first singing gigs was at my father's bar on the weekends. So. No way. Uh, so it was kind of a, it was sort of a hot spot in those days. And I, 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 I'll never forget dad. Uh, he used to be at the bar till two in the morning and I used to have hockey practice at six in the morning. And I'll never forget, uh, going in to say, Hey dad, uh, it's time to go to practice. Mm-hmm. And he would have got home at two and he'd lean over to the bed table and he grabbed the keys and they'd hit me in the chest at the door of the bedroom. And I was like 13 at the time. So I would drive around and I'd pick up. Jim Clark, who who later became my assistant GM, but we were like thirteen at the time. And Jimmy, as I told you, was involved with the Draper deal. And George Matthews, who became my radio play-by-play guy, he lived in the same block as me. And sometimes I'd not drive the boys to practice. And the cops used to say to Dad, "Jim, you can't let the young fella drive." And he'd say, "Come on, guys, he's careful." You know, that's that was the old days in PEI. You know? Yeah, totally different <laughs> different days. And exactly. what was your first concert? Oh, what was my first concert? Oh my God! I I think it might have been. I think it, my first conference when I was doing my masters at the University of Western Ontario, and Canada Cup game was on. Really, the big game where Lemieux and the guys made the biggest play of the century on a goal, and I was leaving an Elton John concert at Maple Leaf Gardens with my wife. Wow. During that game. And I'm thinking, every time I hear about the replay of that great play and that winning goal, I was at an Elton John concert in Maple Leaf Gardens. Like, seriously. <laughs> talk about talk about the things you do for your wife, eh? <laughs> no, <don't. laughs> uh, Doug, with all the free time on our hands, which shows have you been binge-watching lately? Well, we, we really sort of focused on Ozark because yeah. uh, Jill and I had watched two, uh, two seasons and my son Clark come down from Chicago a couple of, three weeks ago, actually, when this hit because he was off work. So he's been down here. So we had to catch up on Ozark. And so we're just getting ready to start the third season tonight. And then the, this tiger thing has sort of occupied everybody's uh, time. <laughs> the tiger King is insane. Whatever it is. But anyway, yeah. I haven't watched it. I, I've fought it, but they've been in there watching it. So, 
So that's sort of what we've been picking a movie every night. We did bombshell. I mean, it's, it's, you know what? I, as terrible as this pandemic is, as devastating as it is, it's, you know, we, we don't get a chance to, for our family to be together very often anymore. And Clark's here from Chicago and my daughter lives three minutes from us. So it's been, it's been nice to have all of us together during these challenging and awful times, but yeah. uh, let's just hope it get, hope it gets over. But you know, it's been a, a, a different type of family time to be quite honest, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a silver lining a hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you get into comic books as a kid? Are you loving all the superhero type movies, the Spider-Man and Deadpool, Batman and all that? Oh, I hate them. I do. Okay. I mean, I never, I, I mean, I was more of an Archie guy, you know, Jughead guy, mm-hmm. but that's the extent, but I, I never re I mean, I, I did the Batman, I did the Superman and that was about the extent. And I, I got to tell you, I can't warm up to them now. I, I sort of like to go to real like type movies, you know, like, you know, I read a lot of James Patterson books, so that pretty well tells okay. you how warped how warped I am, you know? Right, right. Actually, a, a funny story, James Patterson's mother-in-law lives in my in my building just upstairs. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, so I've, so I've gone to a couple of cocktail parties at her place, and James has been the host, which has been kind of weird. Yeah. Last time I saw him, all he wanted to do was talk to me about Rick Nash because he was playing <laughs> with the Rangers. Something and geez, nice. the guy makes ninety million a year off writing books. Why do you want to talk about Rick Nash? Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, music, sports, entertainment, lifestyle. You're listening to the Toddcast podcast.
the Toddcast podcast is powered by Milano Coffee, bringing you the finest espresso and coffee concepts in the world online at milanocoffee.ca. A look at this week's keyboard warriors, Todd's Trolls, on the Toddcast podcast. The next time you're online, do your best to steer clear of those chirpy garbage comments. The ones that are made to get a rise out of someone or something. It's virtually impossible. No one and nothing is safe. Not even Lana Del Rey. 20 million albums sold, over 4 billion views on YouTube, two Brit Awards, two MTV Europe Music Awards, six Grammy nominations, a Golden Globe nomination. Lana's new album, called Chemtrails Over the Country Club, was released this past Saturday, September 5th. Okay, I'll pay you 50 bucks if you can name one Lana Del Rey song. Just one. That's it. New drinking game. Every time you want to kill yourself because the music is so depressing, drink. No offense, but just because she's hot doesn't mean she can sing. Have you seen Steve-O's new movie, Guest House? It was released this past Friday, September 4th. Billy Zane, Sean Bishop, and Polly Shore are also in it. It's about an engaged couple who buy a home, and the jackass in the guest house refuses to leave. Remember in Jackass when that alligator almost got a hold of Steve-O? Yeah, too bad that didn't happen. What? Polly Shore is still alive? <laughs> Who knew? I would rather watch my house burn to the ground, no insurance, than watch this pile of crap. And a big one for tennis. The U.S. Open is mid-swing, runs August 31st through September 13th. Take away the hilarious grunting, and what do you have? Nothing. You have nothing. <sighs> no thanks. There's more excitement watching my neighbor mow his lawn. Pick the ball boy every four serves or so, and maybe I'd watch. Maybe. Todd's Trolls on the Toddcast podcast is powered by The Garage, Games and Geekery, your place to play RPGs, board games, and Warhammer in Maple Ridge. Online at garagegames.ca.
That band is Dead Quiet, and that's a new song for those guys called The Sign of a Sealed Fate, and you can find that one on their new album, which is being released this Friday, September 11th. It's called Truth and Ruin, and a deadly band. I cannot place enough emphasis. They have played for the podcast just an absolutely crushing set. Another band that I would love to get back playing at the railway for another podcast show, but ultimately I've heard this album about four or five times now. You need to get a hold of this one this Friday. Now I played you a new song for Cobra Ramon as well. That one's called Black Mountain, full disclosure. I don't know if I should mention this or not, but why not? We had them ready to open up the night for Econoline Crush just a couple of weeks back, but with COVID, I mean, it's done a number to the music industry. Uh, you're going to see a lot more, a lot you know, more and more smaller venues shutting down completely if our government doesn't step in and take initiative to keep them around, keep them alive. It's a sad state at this moment, and hopefully that's one you're going to see change for the better in the coming months. Cobra Ramon, by the way, a solid live band. If you get a chance to see them play, make the effort to be there. Speaking of live music, live streamed shows, that's a pretty popular right now as well. Check out the indie scene at toddhancock.ca. Slowly but surely, the scene is starting to grow and get more and more shows. Find some of them at our site, or at least the ones that I find and the ones that bands tell me about. Make sure to get out there and support as well. If they're saying, you know, uh, donate to this charity or this venue or whatever, please donate. Brought to you by Mystic Rhythms Rehearsal Studios, 40 plus years experience in the music industry. Find out about the indie scene sponsor at mysticrhythms.ca. Okay, let's get to this week's entertainment guest, episode 225. Adult film star Sarah Vandella, brought to you by Tomes. You need to check these guys out if you have trouble sleeping. The first seven nights are 100% free at Tomes. Dot com. That's T-A-U-M-M-H-O-M-S dot com. T-A-U-M-M-H-O-M-S dot com. Sarah and I follow each other on social media. She's fun. She's engaging with her fans. Definitely worth the follow. The long and the short of it. Her parents were hippies. She grew up in Long Island in New York, started dancing in clubs at 22 years old. You've seen her in XXX movies since 2007, working with the big dogs as well. Vivid, Hustler, Naughty America, Reality Kings. She's been nominated multiple times for AVN Awards, Adult Video Network. The full talk is now posted at our iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud pages, a simple search of Toddcast Podcast. Till then, here's 10 minutes with adult film star Sarah Vandella. The Toddcast Podcast. How old were you when you got into making films? I was 23. Okay, now was that just a matter of like, well, I love sex, why not make money while I'm doing it? Not exactly. Um, I was kind of doing nine to five work while going to college and I just was unsatisfied, wanted something more, wanted to work and have excitement and I've always been a sexual person but was kind of shy and didn't know how to express my sexuality or even really channel it um, for a while and it wasn't until my very early 20s uh, maybe 19 to 22 that I kind of started to come out of my shell and somewhere around 21 I decided to quit the square life and I slowly kind of started tiptoeing my way into 
adult industry, um, starting with dancing and then legal uh, sex work, excuse me, um, in Nevada brothels. And then from there, I kind of went into adult film. I, I, I always knew that legitimizing myself and doing it the right way was the end goal. But how to get started in that, I wasn't quite sure. And I did some research before dipping into porn and I called some agents, got some, you know, information and wasn't quite ready to make the leap. Okay. So it was it wasn't until I was two year well, roughly, roughly two years of doing sex work on my own, um, through dancing and the brothel work until I met a girl that kind of introduced me to video work and then I slowly got got into that. Um, and it's been an incredible 13 years and mm. I can't believe how fast it's flown by. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and do you think that there's a, that there's been a more lucrative time, uh, than the present time to make money as an adult performer? You got webcamming, onlyfans.com. I mean, that, that must be a great side hustle at the very least. Absolutely. There's so many more revenue streams for performers to tap into. Yeah and their content to really mean something more than just being booked for a scene. And that's awesome, too. And you kind of need both to develop a fan base and a name. And I'm so grateful I came in when I did because it was still, everything was still about, like, you know, what's what's being released and, you know, street titles having a street date. Like, that was a big deal. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I remember, like, streeting next week. Like, that was a big deal. <laughs> now it's all just dropping on OnlyFans or dropping, you know, but it's amazing to have these different revenue streams to tap into. Yeah. And I am grateful. I am so grateful for that. It sure seems like adult performers, it feels like they get targeted on social media, it, literally platforms killing yeah. their accounts for, for no reason at yeah. all. Yeah. And thank you for bringing that up, Todd, because this just happened to me uh, recently, two weeks ago. My Instagram account, which had well over 200,000 followers, mm-hmm. um, was, was deleted because I promoted my Mustang Ranch dates. And they said I was soliciting services for wow. prostitution. Now, yeah. And I, I understand where they're coming from, but um, all I did was provide the dates I would be at the ranch and an email. And even on email, we're not allowed to discuss rates and we can't cross the line because it could shut us down. Right. Um, it's just a tool to use to get to know clients, get to know their, their desires and for us to be better caregivers, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, it's just a shame. It's a shame that we're being targeted. Instagram deleted me with no warning. And so I had to start over like 200,000 people. That's not fucking around. That's a lot of people that you just suddenly lost contact with. And I'm, and I'm grateful for those people because a lot of my peers are well in the deep 500K or right. even well over a million followers like Riley Reed and Kendra Lust, et cetera. Right. And, and, and that's awesome. But yeah, I was very grateful and proud of my 250,000 followers, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of people. And it's okay. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of people. But I'm just, you know, grateful for you to, you know, talk to me about it because maybe eventually we can get some sex worker rights um, when it comes to social media and yeah of course you should I mean it's ridiculous that, that it's even being discussed like why do you think that there's so much scrutiny within the adult film world like a few a few years ago what was it proposition 60 where they were mm-hmm. like you, you know all performers need to wear condoms and whatever else that they're 
going on about goggles uh, and gloves yeah yeah exactly and and now there's the uh what is it like i love that the, they haven't given it a name they've just like a b 6539 or where the what it is a b 2389 yeah it's absolutely yeah. insane which this is it's now an, so at, yeah. at anyone that's an adult performer would have to carry like have a license obviously this includes adult performers but we're talking like um, webcam girls, dancers, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. clip creators, like what? Content is, creators. Yeah, like yeah, what is that? Exactly. What is that? It's just excessive and harmful and miseducation. And I believe that our allies within the industry are communicating directly with this assembly person, Christina Garcia, who is directly behind AB2389. And this assembly person is, from my understanding, willing and flexible on rewording the license requirements and bill requirements. However, um, I just don't think she fully understands the type of damage this would cost taxpayers and that it is still extremely dangerous for us to be on any kind of what, uh, registry. We, we, a lot of us are dealing with imposters and stalkers right. and, obsessed fans and the last thing we need is to be worried about getting hacked into a system um and also like you said it's every degree of adult performers and this bill doesn't even mention the adult performers or sex workers from ages 18 to 20 and those are people that can vote here in the states and that can serve our country and fight for war i just find it to be excessive and just discriminatory to take that choice away from someone who is given responsibility as a, as a citizen and an adult, but when it comes to expressing your sexuality on film, that is a no-no. <laughs> I know. So. Yeah, it's an, I mean, honestly, as, a, as the observer, let's be honest, we all watch porn. We all do, yeah. you know, whatever. We'll go out and party with the boys and, and have, a, have a stripper night. As one of those, uh, you know, outside observers looking in, like, it just makes no sense. Like, none. It makes mm-hmm. no sense. Uh, Sarah, I'd love mm-hmm. to get outside of, uh, you know, the adult world and, and, of course, what you're known for. And I want to get to kind of get to know you a little bit more here. Sure. What What was the music in your house as a kid growing up? Like, what, what's the bands that your parents are playing? Oh, my gosh. Like, Joni Mitchell, James Taylor, yeah. the Beatles, Simon and Garfunkel. Judy Collins, uh, Cream, like just total folky classic rock. Yeah. Um, yeah. You strike yeah. me as a, <laughs> a, as a big music person, uh, you know, following along on uh, social media. I love music and yeah, I love um, all the old pictures that I see on Twitter. And it's my favorite thing to retweet because we don't get, we don't get reminded of all these fantastic images from so many years back and know, right? uh, nice to see them. <laughs> yeah, yeah totally. it's nice to see them. And what was your first concert that, um, that you went to? How old were you? My first concert with my family was James Taylor, okay. but my first concert alone was, um, it was the, uh, whole <laughs> Courtney okay. love yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was six, uh, how old was I? Yeah. 17, 17. It was the celebrity skin tour. And it was in New York City. I went, um, and it was really fun and awesome. That was my first concert I went oh, I to. Well, me and a girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. So it was really cool. Yeah, that had to set a bar. Yeah, at, at that time, when they were touring that that record, it was they were on fire. Like all rock stations were playing that band. I know they had their good years, and did, I yeah. loved like 
I just loved the, watching Courtney Love on stage and, and her band, and which was primarily female, if I can remember correctly. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. And just, With yeah. With the exception, I think there was a, 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 a guy bass player. Yeah, I, yes, I would imagine yes. an awesome night, yeah. And, yeah, so, it, so that was so cool. If you <laughs> had to, if I forced you into it, could you pick uh, your top five bands all time? Sure, absolutely. Um, Tough Rolling one. Stones. Rolling Stones. Led Zeppelin. Yes. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and I'm going to go with Janis Joplin for my last. Wow. Classic rock yeah. world, big time. Is there any... Total. Uh, lately, have you been in, into any of these uh, newer bands? Um, here and there. I've been listening to a lot of Joe Bonamassa recently. Yeah. I've always loved his work. Great I was, I'm supposed to see him. Yeah, he's incredible. I'm supposed to see him next week, but sadly, the governor of Seattle has banned any gatherings over 250 people, and so yeah. I'm still waiting to find out if that's the concert. Yeah. But did you hear that he, the NBA has... Yeah. They're done. Their season is done. They've canceled the rest of yeah. the NBA season. The NHL's probably right behind them. Isn't that mm, incredible? What a, what a time. What a time. Right? <laughs> Entertainment guests of the Toddcast podcast are powered by Tomes, where quality sleep matters. Find out more at Tomes.com. That's T-A-U-M-M-H-O-M-S.com.
without a doubt, one of Vancouver's best bands. They are Bend Sinister and a relatively new song for those guys called Shannon. Another casualty of these last four COVID months we'd planned, but we hadn't announced a Cheap Thrills podcast with their singer Dan Moxon that obviously got cancelled or postponed or however you want to put it so fingers crossed once things turn around a little bit eventually we'll get to that 100-200 people in a venue again we'll get to that phase and I'll do my best to knock something out with Dan I love this guy's voice he's a killer player and I bet you he's going to tell great stories I will keep you updated posted on that through social media when we finally nail that down Looking forward to next week as a drummer. This was awesome. Jane's Addiction drummer, Stephen Perkins, is a guest. But I tell you what really inspires me is those really big, big shows. And you're playing a song, and you see someone on a bungee jump 150 yards away. You see someone, uh, you know, they're not watching the band. They're experiencing their day, but the band is, is, you can't get away from it. We're still the soundtrack Mm -hmm. and i love having that huge platform those big festivals to really get you know your music get people spirited up and they're doing things that have nothing to do with your song and they might be meeting their next wife you know their their future wife or they might be having a a reunion with someone they haven't seen in 30 years you know i love being part of that uh, experience in bringing, you know, the, the, the music is a reason to be there, but it's not exactly the only thing that's happening in their life. But yeah, I mean, I've seen some crazy shit. I mean, Perry <laughs> is, is such a great front man because he's in the moment. He doesn't, you know, you have to keep an eye on him when you're playing the songs because it's not verse, chorus, verse, chorus, uh, guitar solo. It's what's happening in the moment and then respect that, you know, and and you know, being in a band with Tommy Lee with Methods of Mayhem, and I, you know, he was singing and playing guitar, and I was on drums. Right. Uh, we had we had a one hell of a day. Uh, I don't think we belonged there. It was a super heavy metal festival out in Austria, and the band we were doing, Methods of Mayhem, was a full hybrid of hip hop and rock mm-hmm. and techno, even. And we were not welcome. <laughs> and shit was coming at us, glass bottles. Wow. These people hate. These people hated it so much, they were throwing their full bottles of alcohol, even though they fucking needed to get high. They're like, fuck it. Let's just get the fucking guy off the stage. And oh, my God. We had a guy named Tilo who was actually emceeing with us, and he went up there and was dodging bottles, and nothing hit him. It was like God was blessing him. He went up there, and he kept, you know, he was on, he was on point, man. He was still on the mic, dodging bottles, up and down, he was like a boxer, and, and and that to me still stands out as like unpredictable. What's going to happen? Are we going to get our shit fucking? Kicked? Are we going to get our get our ass kicked? Or are we just going to walk away unscathed and talk about this over and over? You know, and and James Addiction liked to sometimes plan stuff, but it never went as planned, mm-hmm. and that's always kind of fun, mm-hmm. you know. And, and to say, okay, at this point in the song, we should have somebody come out and hang some hooks. And suspend, and uh, and see what happens after they come out and, and the response of the audience. You know, but I think my favorite moments are with my eyes closed, connecting with the music, and then opening up and then and, and seeing people react. And and you know, it's not crazy, but it is definitely uh, it, it concludes my my journey in a sense 
in fact, this is a, a great thing to do with my life is to get people to, to have a good time and to loosen up and to let them disconnect from all the bullshit that we're all dealing with. Super awesome to talk to Stephen Perkins, the drummer for Jane's Addiction. I think we talked for close to 45 minutes in the full talk. Joining him next week is retired NHL goaltender, four-time Stanley Cup winner, Grant Fuhr, and Canadian radio personality, Randy Chase, who is currently broadcasting in Red Deer, another beauty in the industry, next week as well. Of course, big thanks to this week's guest, too, anti-flag singer Justin. Dude, can't wait for your band to come back to Vancouver. I will make it a point to come say hi when you guys do. Doug McLean, thank you for taking the time to be a guest, and thanks for being so cool for the talk as well. Sarah Vandella, you are the best. Thank you so much for sharing the visit as much as you have online. That's super rad. I look forward to your next visit, and I guess we'll see you online. That's going to do it for episode 225. My name is Todd Hancock. Thank you so much for listening. As usual, if you like what you heard, please tell your friends. You can subscribe through iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. Get us on the Dean Blundell Podcast Network as well at deanblundell.com. Comment, rate, the podcast. It helps out with the search results. Toddcast podcast. Huge thanks to all of our wonderful sponsors. You can find links to all sponsor websites at toddhancock.ca. Sponsor the podcast for as little as 10 bucks a day. There's contact info at the homepage. Let's have a beer. Let's have a coffee and see what's up. Till next week, don't be an asshole because nobody wants to be around that. Have fun, play hard, and most of all, believe in yourself. The Toddcast Podcast. Keep in touch with Todd through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and bookmark ToddHancock.ca.